Deuteronomy chapter 4. Here, continuing to stay oriented on where we're at. Last week, as we were wrapping up, we looked at uh, the importance of the Word there at the start of chapter 4. We looked at the importance of not adorning or diminishing the Word as as God exhorted them, do not add and do not take away from the commandment in verse 2 of chapter 4. And we also saw, just prior to that, the heady consequences that come when you flirt with the specificity of God's Word. Because Moses struck the rock instead of simply speaking to the rock. And you go, well, that's a steep consequence. It is, because it's a steep infraction to disobey and rebel against the holiness of God. So that's where we were. Again, we are on the east side of the Jordan River with the nation of Israel as Moses is preparing them to enter into the promised land. Deuteronomy, some again will think of as the retelling. But once again, the generation that came out of Egypt has died in the wilderness because of their rebellion. And so it is their children who are going in. And picking up in verse 9, we look and, and read about how important it is to maintain the Word and to live out the Word. Uh, Let's see, I was over there last week. We'll start over here this week. Emma, we'll start with you. Here, would you read, please, verses 9 and 10 of chapter 4. Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. How on the day that you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, the Lord said to me, Gather the people to me, that I may let them hear my words, so that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on the earth, and that they may teach their children so. Okay. He starts out, we'll break this down. He says, Take care and keep your soul diligently. You're going to hear this two more times, really, uh, in in this section that we're going to cover today. We're only going to go through verse 31. But this is going to come up two more times. Take care, keep your soul diligently. Why? Okay, but man, I mean... Why not? And this is talking about sanctification, isn't it? Or he says, keep your soul diligent, so that means... In accordance with the word, okay? You know, and this is, it's always a, this is like an interesting straddle that we make here. Uh, How does the Old Testament apply to the New Testament? And so... We see here in the law 
so much that is still for us in our understanding of the living God and how we are to live our lives. And we have to keep our soul diligently. I mean, Kara's, Kara's got a garden. There is nut grass like nobody's business in that garden right now. Why? Because Kara's been gone for a week and a half. And nut grass is terrible. I mean, you have got to stay on top of nut grass or it is going to infest everything. If you don't know what nut grass is, you can come by, we'll show you what nut grass is. You don't want it in your yard. It's terrible. Those little, those little burrs, man, the ones that like will make you jump like a cat if you step on them barefoot, oh, they hurt. But man, if you don't stay on top of those, they are going to infest your yard. We have to keep our soul diligently. We are at war. Do you believe this? Roaring lion. Who, who mentioned Satan the roaring lion? Yeah. Seeking whom he may devour. When? When you're snoozing. I mean, the guys in, in Baston, man, it, Reason. They're in their foxhole with their weapon listening to the Germans sing Silent Night. They're so close at Christmas time. They're at war. You can't check out. I want to leave. <laughs> yeah, right. Bubba. No. And a lot of people, oh, let go, let God. Man. Spirit, inertia is a real thing. Inertia. Body at rest tends to stay at rest. And you are going to be full of nut grass if you are not spiritually diligent. So this is going to come up again and again and again. And, and, and uh, Elaine essentially filled out the verse. And his warning, this is Moses' warning to them, lest you forget What? Okay. Is this just some theoretical, esoteric, fluffy, general knowledge kind of stuff? No. Like, maybe he's talking to the people who are, like, at Mount Sinai. Like, maybe this is a warning to, like, maybe people in the past. You should let your children know about this. Yeah, we're... Where we're, they saw God's presence come to the mountain. And there was thunder and lightning. Yeah. I mean, did these kids see this? Nope. Yes. Yes, they did. They were kids, though. They were, they were kids. Okay, maybe some of your ages. You guys are probably, you probably died in the wilderness. You guys, older, older ones did. But, but, but the younger ones probably did see it. And they probably saw all the crazy stuff that was going on in Egypt prior to that. They saw it. It is real. How could you forget that? The same way we forgot 9-11. You know, it was before breakfast. 
lest you forget what your eyes have seen, lest they depart from your heart. Man. And so, as part of keeping their soul diligently, Moses exhorts them in the middle of verse 9 to do what? Latter part. Okay. And it's interesting, it's both of them. Okay, there's one set of grandparents here right now, for now. What's, what's the American way of the grandparent? Spoil the kids. Spoil the kids. Spoil the kids. What does God's word say? Teach them. Teach them. Diligently. Yes, we have a responsibility to teach our children. It doesn't end there. Be the wise, grumpy grandfather. Yes. Always spouting. Yes, <laughs> Always spouting scripture. You know, I, I didn't have a grand, grandpa like that who dripped the gospel. I want to be that kind of grandfather to my, my grandkids, um, both in word and in deed. Make these things known. To your grandchildren. Um, we touched on this two weeks ago, I think. Can I just let my kids find their own way? No, they're going to leave the room. I'm sorry? I sure can. You bet I can. But? It's not going to work. Okay. Because they're not going to meet. Okay, it might work, but generally they're going to get into places where a kid is not going to do well. You're well, well, always being influenced. If, you're, if the parent is not influencing the children, you're, you are less certain of what will be influencing, what, what will be positive to influence the children. Not that it can't happen, because there are you know, people who's, who come from a family of non-believers that the Lord touches I gotta tell you, it is making my head swim and my stomach ill to see the number of children who I know personally who grew up in Christian homes. I mean, no perfect parent, get over it. Um, but grew up in Christian homes, knowing the gospel was there and proclaimed often, though not perfectly who have completely gone away from the Lord, or whose lives and thinking do not reflect the Word of God. It's like, what are you thinking? What? Are you kidding me? It, uh, that's my heart response. They're just, it's, it's, it's a heartbreak. Now, parent... What's a parent liable to do if their child does this? Blow up. Blame themselves. Blame themselves. Um, you just get crushed under that weight of guilt. Absolutely crushed under that weight of guilt. How do we not get crushed under that weight of guilt? 
also have to understand that you ultimately your children have choice like you do in sin. I mean, understanding that I came from not a Christian family and turned out the way that I have is a slightly terrifying thing that my children, it could be just the opposite, that you grow up in a house with parents who love the Lord and could just, <laughs> and you see it, I mean. She's not my <coughs> She's not on my strengths. She is Pinocchio. She has no strength. She can. She can. She can do. She can do what she wants. She is volitional. It still is hard. I mean, even my kids are little, and I still feel it. Like when they have days where they're just terrible, to each other, I'm like, do you do you hear anything I say to you? Okay. Parent, but before we move on, parent. I've said this Piper quote before. You know the quote? Yeah, there's one perfect parent and his kids are a mess. Okay, man, huge, huge, all important. There's one perfect heavenly father and his kids are a mess. He's given them perfect, perfect law, perfect discipline, and the power of the Holy Spirit, and they still go, got nothing for you. I've never heard you say that before, but I think that might have just changed my life. John Piper, it's not mine. Isn't that isn't that incredible? You know that doesn't absolve us of our responsibility to train up our children in the way that they should go. That's what it says here, and it's gonna. It's. I mean, we're not even to chapter six yet. But that, that parental responsibility is, is ginormous. Uh, well, the rest of that train up, train up your children verse, too. I mean, I know sometimes people tend to look at that like it's a promise, and then they feel like God let them down when their kids go astray. But for those of us who have children that are astray at this point, God's not done yet. You know, as long as they're still here, God's not finished. And so we have to keep doing. We have to keep praying for them. And we have to keep investing in their life in the hopes that when they are old. Job chapter 1. Job prayed for his children while they were out partying. Okay, praying for their kids. Great examples. Great examples in Scripture. What are we teaching them? You know, he says... He says, teach this to your children. How on that day that you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, Mount Sinai, and the Lord said to me, gather. He's saying, remember what? Teach them about this space-time event in history. This is a real thing that really happened. What are some real things that really happened that we need to teach our children? World Wars. World Wars, okay. You mean that's not just a, a, a myth? It's uh, just a story to learn good things about? No, it's true. It is true. And if it is true, it changes everything. It changes absolutely everything. Because it says his kids are a mess. That he would have to send his son 
to die because his kids are a mess. Why are his kids a mess? We're falling in sin. When did that happen? It was the kids. It was the kids' fault. First sin. First sin was the kids' fault. Yeah, God's kids. Okay, God, okay, those kids. Okay, good. Good, the first kids. Yeah. Are you suggesting that Adam and Eve were actual people? Are you suggesting that I can take Genesis 1, 2, and 3 as history? Yes! Yes! And you're going to be thought, what? A fool! Yeah, you're, you guys are all Looney Tunes. You're you're yeah. yeah. You're, you're dope. In some cases. Outside of this, Outside most of this, cases. All cases. Yeah. And I will say, even within Christian circles, even with Bible-believing, Bible-believing guys who is inspired in the inerrant word of God who will say... You know, they you age. You don't know how God Tim world. Tim Keller is one. Tim Tim, you know, the reason for God. I love the book. The reason for God is he starts talking about the creation. He gets mushy. I go, if I'm going to get mushy there, why don't I get mushy elsewhere? I think that's one of the things I kind of, you know, for years I struggled trying to rectify because I was the evolution. Like I love to bash Christians when I say, well, I loved it. I felt, you know, like. Because they did, like a lot of them, they didn't have answers, you know, other than it was truth or anything that, yeah, yeah. that's your truth, whatever. And I, you know, I felt like I could crush them. Yeah. Um, and so even after I became a Christian, I constantly tried to rectify it. It's hard until I came to this church, and then you realize it has to be an inerrant word of God. Because if it's not, then what kind of God are you worshiping? Where is your salvation? Then? It's may or may not. Yeah. It, it has to be, it's either it is or it isn't. Yeah. You believe it all or it's, why bother? I mean, it's, that's, sometimes that's a hard pill to swallow. I mean, especially if you come from a background, like, I, I constantly have to remind myself, it's the inerrant word of God, it's all or nothing. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and some of us may, may have to struggle with that. We, we may fight against this. I'm still good, and that's that's great faith for me. It's it's I don't I don't struggle with it nearly as much anymore, at, really at all. There you go. It is. Okay, you can call me an idiot, but I think there's great evidence, great scientific, actual scientific evidence for showing that this is a young Earth. But we can we can take it that way, and so we're supposed to teach our children about the actuality of the living God, active. In history past, but also in our own lives. Share with your children what God has done. Don't keep it a secret. It's like asking you guys out there about what are you thankful for. Talk about these things. Put your bloody phone down and talk. 
Then the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of words, but saw no form. There was only a voice. We're going to get to that here in just a bit in this next section, 15 and following. And he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform. That is the Ten Commandments. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone. He declared them. He wrote them. Did he? With his finger. It says. I mean, it says he did. It says he did. Extraordinary. I mean, extraordinary. Extraordinary for Moses to hold these. I love Charlton Heston in uh, The Ten Commandments. You can say what you want about that movie. But as he picks up the tablets, he's just like touching them. Unbelievable. This is unbelievable. Here. But the Ten Commandments, the ten, how significant are the Ten Commandments? Very, very. We might just go, well, it's just part of the law. But here, Moses even calls it out as significant. He, which he commanded you to perform. That is the Ten Commandments. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone. And the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and rules. Why? That you would do them. Why are you guys sitting here? That we would be just saturated in the word of God. Not that you go, oh, I've got great head knowledge now. It is that we would do the word of God. That we would bear fruit in keeping with repentance. That we would live the life that God calls us to live in his church and as we go to be salt and light in the world, in our places of work, in our places of play, in our places of study, that we might do them in the land that you are going over to possess. Here he makes a, here and really in the rest of the lion's share of chapter 4, we see how careful God is to convey to Israel how they should think about and worship him. And he's already pointed to how they ought to handle his word with great care. Now he's going to transition and talk about how they should worship the living God. How does the world say you should worship the living God? who you are, what'd you say? However you think. Yeah. However you think is worship. Okay. Him in his box until you need him. What about Allah? Well, sure. Yeah, that's great. Good. Vishnu. Osiris. Uh, I'm, have you gotten into the Egyptian gods? Oh, they are so cool. Oh, the Hindu gods, they have a mess. Mess of them. They can, Hindu gods, you can do pretty much anything you want to do. They're great. 
Christian church today. Worship as you want to worship. I read something to Tracy last night from uh, Rosaria Butterfield's uh, biography. And in it, she's talking about essentially this mega church when she first became a Christian that just shocked her because there was a restaurant in a church so that everybody would make sure, you know, that their tummies were full and they had, you know, a name brand coffee instead of crummy Folgers, you know, with baristas in the church and there was a bouncy castle for the kids because, you know, really important in church that the children are entertained. Are you not entertained? And, and as a new believer... You know, one who came out of hardcore, fierce, vicious lesbianism and who fought through, imagine, 25 hours of painful labor to be born again through the conversion process was an agony for her. She hated it. To then come through that and to see commercialism in the church. Is this what he died for? Is it, is it evil to have a Starbucks in your church? No. It's no. not what I'm saying. But if you idolize it, yes. But what's important? What, what is important in the church? Is the living God exalted? Is the living God glorified? Are, are believers crushed in spirit? Are we, are we broken in our sin? Or is it okay? He's done at 12, 12 o'clock. I mean, we can get to wherever we're going today. Do we know one another? Do I care about you? Are you offended that I care about you? Yeah, I'm cuddly. Can I just mean that? What? If, if we express our care for people like Justin, uh, you know, positive affirmations, then great, they're fine with that. But if you care about their spiritual life to the point of holding them accountable, then maybe not so much. Oh. I also think, though, that there can be a, if you only are pouring into people to to try to, you know, if you're not there with those positive things and if you're only coming at them with, you know, that trying to turn them back around and you see their sin, then it's also, it can be dangerous too because then they still don't, they don't want to hear it for a different reason. You know, and this is, Matthew 7 is really important. I mean, I have to, I have to be looking for that beam, that four by four sticking out of my own eye before I go spec examining. And my life shouldn't be intentionally spec examining. What's Sarah doing on her free time, man? What's she watching at home, Sarah? What are you watching at home, man? Let me run that through for you because I know you're sure not. You know? That's, that's, not, that's not the kind of guy we should be. 
But, you know, in our conversation, all of a sudden you're going to say something and I'm going to go, what was that? You know, and there's these things that will come to light. And do I ignore that? Well, I've seen as judgmental. Because maybe I brought something up to her before. So how do we worship the living God? Okay, so on we go here in uh, verse 15. Therefore, watch yourselves very carefully. Oh, here we are again. Keep your soul diligently in verse 9. Here it is. Watch yourselves carefully. Since you saw no form on the day that the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the midst of the fire. So he's hearkening back to what he said in verse 12. You heard only a voice. Beware lest you act corruptly by making a carved image for yourselves in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any animal that is on the earth, the likeness of any winged bird that flies in the air, the likeness of anything that creeps on the ground, the likeness of any fish that is in the water under the earth. Are there anything? Is he missing anything? Did he miss anything? And beware, lest you raise your eyes to heaven, when you see the sun, the moon, and the stars, and all the host of heaven, you may be drawn away and bow down to them and serve them, things that the Lord your God has allotted to all the peoples under the whole heaven. Now, I would contend that Israel, you know, apart from those who walked with Christ, had the most eye-popping visual display of the living God here on this earth. Pillar cloud by day, fire by night, and the voice out of it, and all of the miracles associated with that. God's caution for them is what? What is his caution to them? Don't try to make me. Why would I do that? So I need this. So then it's okay. No, because it localizes. So if you don't see anything, you don't touch anything, it's out of sight, out of mind. But if you see it and touch it, well, now, you, now you can touch it, now it's recalled. So the whole idea is not to have images so that you can always be thinking and worshiping and without the image or touching whatever. Well, to make any Did he make any loophole? 
2,000 years, when you guys start having movies available, then it's okay. Why? To make movies about Jesus. Controversial. Very, very controversial. Um, one, of the, one of the bedrock books for uh, Christians, J.I. Packer's Knowing God. Really, really great book. Good book. He says nothing. 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 No paintings. Nothing. Don't. Don't do this. Why? Because it, it limits God. Well, it helps me think about other things. Yes, but it limits God to what you have seen there. It, limit, it is limiting to God. You are diminishing God into a created thing. Well, I need... Well, what about a cross behind the pulpit? Large, well, there are two, two reasons. Largely, the Protestants emptied the cross. Where Catholics have Christ on the cross, the Protestants take him down. One is idolatry. And the other is he's risen. He's not still on the cross. He's alive. He's not dead. And I also think, like, when you were over for dinner, we were talking about the flag code. Just like the flag code, we've forgotten the code. Yeah. Oh, it's okay. It's okay to have socks with flags on. We're smarter now. We know we're not really walking on the flag. Potato salad on their plate that they're about yes. to throw away. Right? <laughs> I, I thought the passion, the passion was great. Passion of the Christ, great movie, great movie. And it troubles my heart. Why? Because. Jesus is not Jim Caviezel. And I see aspects of Christ now, and I don't see other aspects of Christ that the Gospels highlight during that time of his passion. Because it is contained, it is consolidated. What does God care about? What, and really, my, my point here is not for us to draw lines. God does draw lines. Very clear, distinct lines. And why? He says, so that you would not be drawn away. God covets your worship. Doesn't need it. But he knows the very best thing for you is him. Him. And for you to be drawn, don't, I don't want, don't, my children, don't go, come here, 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 here. Not, not to idols, not to golden calves, not to 
groves of trees, no carved image. Are the heavens extraordinary? Yeah. See any great sunsets lately? Mm -hmm. I mean, the clouds this morning driving in were fabulous. You know, the lights and the darks and the clouds. Extraordinary. And what should, what should that do? What should those things do for me? Yes! The one who made them. I worship the one who made them. I am awed by the one who created these things. The human eye, the ear, the extraordinary human ear. It's all just flesh. I mean, it's, it's wet, it's watery, it's, it's, it's dirt. It's dirt and water. And it can see. Why doesn't God want them drawn away? Because he loves them and he is creating for himself a people. Verse 20. But the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace, out of Egypt, to be a people of his own inheritance, as you are this day. His, his desire is to create a people who are sanctified from sin, who are set apart, and who love him as they should, as they were created to. As he worked this with a nation, so now he works it with his church. He has created us to be in love with him. He has redeemed us that we would be enwrapped by him, that I would delight in all of my ways in him. That whether I eat or drink or whatever I do, I would do all to the glory of God. Taking you and brought you out of the iron furnace, out of Egypt, to be a people of his own inheritance. Saints, as you are this day. And he hearkens back again to the consequence of ignoring this. Uh, Katrina, would you read 21 and 22, please? Furthermore, the Lord was angry with me because of you, and he swore that I should not prosper for you, and that I should not enter the good land that the Lord your God has given me for an inheritance. For I must die in this land. I must not go over the Jordan. But you shall go over and take possession of that good land. Good. Didn't he already say that? Uh-huh. Yeah, back back over in chapter 3. You know, he talked about... And... Like the grumpy guy who keeps going back to the situation. Wow, well, if this hadn't happened, I'd, still, I'd be king of the universe. You know, but because of this... But it's serious. He's reminding them again of the severity and seriousness of... Not following the word of God. Not giving God the glory, the glory that is due his name. 
And when we disobey, we do not give him the glory that he is due. We take him off the throne and put ourselves on the throne. We despise him. We disdain him. When we do this. Take care lest you forget the covenant. Again, there it is. Take care. Verse 15. Watch yourselves very carefully. Verse 9. Keep your soul. Take care. Hear, 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 hear. Listen. Do this. I'm different. No, you're not. Lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God which he made with you. Lest you make a carved image, the form of anything that the Lord your God has forbidden you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. John's, the the close of John's epistle, his first epistle. Anybody know it off the top of your head? Little children, keep yourself from idols. That's it. You know, he didn't mention that like hardly at all in the whole epistle. Oh, yes, he did. Every time he talked about obedience to the living God, when we disobey, we are pursuing something else, not him. Something else has a priority in my mind or in my heart. Lest you forget. And yet, he says it over and over, and then, like you were saying, we make movies, and crosses, uh, necklaces. Again, we can become very pharisaical about that. I don't want us to become pharisaical about this. I want us to... It's... If I want to be obedient, I'm not going to go anywhere near the line. If my desire is to please the living God, I am not going to be anywhere walking near the edge. If I'm busy looking at the edge, I am not looking at the living God. If I'm looking at the living God, I don't have to worry about the edge. Because that's not where I'm going to want to go. I'm going to take care. I'm... He's going to be my heart, my soul, my desire, my strength. And I'm going to hear his word. And his words are going to be my delight, my joy, and my food. Twenty-five and twenty-six. Arnold. When thou shalt beget children, and children's children, and ye shall have remained long in the land, and shall corrupt yourselves shall have graven images and the likeness of anything and shall do evil in the sight of the Lord thy God to provoke him with anger I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that ye shall soon utterly perish from off the land whereunto ye go over Jordan to possess it ye shall not prolong your days unto it but shall utterly be destroyed our God is a consuming fire He is a jealous God. 
again, we, on, in this plane, because none of us is pure, none of us is righteous, none of us is holy, none of us is omniscient and omnipotent and all that God is, jealousy for us is most often a bad thing. Okay, it is self-centered. Okay, the fact that God is the best thing, he needs to be self-centered. If anything were, this is, you know, stealing from Piper. If there is anything that has God's affections more than himself, he's an idolater himself. It is only because God's glory is the most important thing to him that he can desire to share that with others. Come, enjoy me. Let me create you that you can enjoy me. That you can delight in me. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Again, in our finiteness, that But when you see that if God has an affection greater than himself for anything, that thing becomes an idol and has a place of supremacy over the living God. So this is why God is a jealous God and this is why the consequences are so severe. If you do this, you'll be scattered, you will be destroyed, you will become small. Utterly destroyed, scattered, few. Verse 27, the Lord will scatter you among the peoples and you will be left few in numbers among the nations. And there you will serve gods of wood and stone, the work of human hands that neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell. God's, you want it? There you go. What's it going to do for you? God is going to give them over full to the consequences of their sin and rebellion. I mean, we see that in the world today. You want it? There you go. You can drink it deep, and what will it do? It will rot your heart and soul to rebel and to turn away from the living God. God will give you over to the sin. Most important word in scripture starts out verse 29. But but God doesn't leave us there. For all of you who named the name of the living God, God didn't leave you where you were at. God is gracious. From there you will seek the Lord your God. You will find him if you search after him with all your heart and soul. When you are in tribulation, all these things come upon you in latter days. You will return to the Lord your God and obey his voice. For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He's a jealous God. Yes. And he's a merciful God. Yes. He will not leave you or destroy you or forget the covenant with your fathers that he swore to them. So it was, I think it was Tracy you were saying, as long as they're breathing, you know, we were talking about children, our children. As long as the person has breath in their lungs, 
at least to us on this plane, as far as we understand it, there's hope. Call upon the living God. Call upon the Lord and you shall be saved. Repent and turn to him. Notice how he describes it in verse, verse 29. Salvation is not a half-hearted effort. Repentance, sorry, repentance is not a half-hearted effort. You know, it's not just, oh, I'm gonna get, I want to know Jesus. I want to know you, Jesus. No, I want to repent of my sin. I want to search after him with all my heart and with all my soul. So, briefly, where does that leave us? You know, he, how important is it that we examine ourselves? Let us examine ourselves. And what is my worship? Is my worship, do I have idols? Have I set up idols in my life? I mean, I, mean, I had a little tiki sitting on my table, but are there things that distract and thwart my relationship with the living God? So examine ourselves and put them away. Let us put away those idols. Put them away. It doesn't mean put them in safekeeping. Burn them to the ground. Dust. Destroy. Rid them from your life. Sanctify ourselves. Let us sanctify ourselves daily. Let us pursue the living God. Let us confess our sins because he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us sanctify. Let us be sanctified by our relationship with Christ to pursue Him. Parents, would be parents one day. Let's teach our children. When? While we have breath. Which ones? All of them? Even the 31 year old? Yep. And his kids too. Children and grandchildren. Chapter 4, 9 through 31. Thoughts, questions?